Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the World Bank's Teachers Podcast. I'm Rita Almeida, and I'm the Practice Manager for Europe and Central Asia here at the World Bank. Today, I'm thrilled to be hosting a conversation on effective coaching sessions and how we can best learn from the example of Finland. We know from research, practice, and even personal experience that teachers who receive high-quality, ongoing support teach more effectively. Coaching, with the help of high-quality pedagogical leaders who conduct one-on-one coaching sessions with teachers, has shown to be one of the most effective interventions to improve teaching and ultimately learning. But what do these one-on-one coaching sessions look like in real practice? To answer this question, we are joined today by two experts who will provide a theoretical underpinning and insights from the field as to what makes a coaching session effective. Tracy Wilczowski, a member of the World Bank's teachers team, will discuss how key findings from Facilitating effective coaching sessions guidance now can provide guidance to country teams on how countries can ensure high-quality coaching sessions between coaches and teachers. To ensure the discussion reflects the realities on the ground, Rita Niemi, a teacher trainer in Finland, will provide first-hand insights on some of the challenges in implementing and sustaining these models in practice. Today's conversation will be informed by Tracy's recent visit to the Viki Teacher Training School in Finland, where she had a chance to observe Dr. Niemi in action. Tracy, could you start by telling us a little bit about what you saw while visiting the Viki Teacher Training School in Finland? How did it impact you? Sure. I'm happy to start off. So about a little bit over a month ago, I had the opportunity to visit Finland as part of a work trip. And during that trip, we got to observe Reta in action. And so what we saw was, as you mentioned, this is a teacher training college. And so we got to observe a lesson where I believe it was a language lesson, but Rita, correct me if I'm wrong, but we got to see a lesson where a teacher candidate was teaching a whole lesson. So he went through and there was various different elements to the lesson, including whole group and small group. And even though the lesson was in Finnish, I think that me and my team all kind of had an idea of what was happening in the lesson. Like the kids were going through a story. And the teacher was then walking them through, like breaking down different parts of the story and learning about that, both in terms of the the story cycle and then also the language underpinning it. But what really stuck with me as part of the observation wasn't just seeing how amazing the teacher candidate was and to to see this person in action as they as they finalized their teacher training certificate. It was also seeing Rita, who is a teacher trainer and who was in the back of the classroom, kind of taking notes the whole time that the teacher candidate was teaching. And she also intervened slightly, not in terms of like intervening with his lesson, but would go around and ask the kids to make sure that they were understanding 
what was happening in the lesson. And one of the the things that was most valuable to me is that after kind of seeing this in action, so, you know, this is a teacher trainer toward the end of his training, and he is lesson planning is on his own, facilitating a lesson on his own. And the teacher trainer is there to guide him and provide feedback. What I found to be really interesting and what was really beneficial to our team was we got to sit down with Rita after and ask her a little bit about how she thought the lesson went. But then we learned a little bit more about her process for providing feedback to teacher candidates and also kind of how this might look different for different candidates. And, and I guess one of the most salient takeaways was both how she was very present and involved during the lesson, but also it was very much the teacher candidate's lesson and she was there to provide light touch support and guidance. And so after that observation, we got to learn a little bit more about how she would provide feedback to him in a one-to-one fashion at the end of the day. Thank you, Tracy. It sounds fascinating. I'm really curious. Tracy, in that visit, could you tell us what an effective coaching cycle should entail based on the available evidence featured in the facilitating effective one-on-one coaching sessions guidance note that the, the bank has recently produced? Yes. So the guidance note provides guidance to policymakers on what they should be seeing or what should be happening in a one-to-one session between a coach or a teacher trainer and a teacher. And so, you know, this really gets at the the black box that we find in the quality of, of education, which is, you know, what's really important is the quality of those interactions, not only between the teacher and the students, but also between the coach or the teacher trainers or mentors who are responsible for that teacher's professional development and the teachers. So the cycle really focuses on, you know, first and foremost, allowing the coach time to prepare for the session. This involves giving them necessary resources, materials, et cetera. Before even going into a session, they should know which teachers that they'll be supporting for the, the school year and how often they're expected to visit them. Second, it involves an observation. So usually we recommend that they use an observation tool to track what happens during the lesson. And then after the observation, usually in an in-service setting, this will happen right after the class or at the end of the day, depending on how many teachers the coach is visiting in the school. In in-service setting, it's a little bit different, as we'll hear about from Rita, as this is happening on an ongoing basis through the practicum period. But so during the, the observation, the, the coach kind of takes down what they see, and then they facilitate this process of reflection. So discussing the observations from the lesson with the teacher, you know, what do you think went well? What do you think didn't go so well? Providing feedback that is timely, constructive, and justified based on what just happened in the lesson. I think importantly as well, this feedback should focus on specific behaviors and, you know, one to two target behaviors that the teacher can continue to improve on. If the teacher isn't understanding that skill or how to put that behavior in practice, the coach can model or demonstrate that behavior for the teacher. This can look different in different settings. In the coaching cycle, usually this happens outside of the classroom, but maybe we can hear a little bit more later from Rita about what this would look like inside the classroom. 
And closely related, then the coach helps the teacher practice that skill before they actually take it into their classroom. So at the end of the the session, the the coach and the teacher agree on kind of what the goal is for the next coaching session and what the coach will expect to see of the teacher next time. One thing that we found that is, you know, most important that we really saw in our observation in Finland is the importance of having a strong relationship between the coach and the teacher and also ensuring that this relationship is based on a relationship of trust and a growth-oriented coaching relationship and not one that is based in, in fear or monitoring or evaluation. You know, the cycle is really rooted in the evidence, which shows that interventions that provide focused, tailored, practical, and ongoing support to teachers within a environment of trust and, and safety result in changes in teaching behaviors and subsequently improvement in student learning outcomes. Wow, Tracy, this was fascinating. Thank you for sharing. It sounds a very, very relevant guidance note. I confess I browsed through it, but I would definitely going to give it a more careful reading because this is really, really relevant for our operations, especially in, in Eastern Europe and in Central Asia, where we start having some of these structures at the school level. So the question is, how can we get the maximum impact from the coaching that is already taking place? I heard a lot of interesting things when you were saying the objective and give specific examples. I think you also spoke a lot about increasing self-awareness and, and focusing on feedback that comes really with respect and, and makes people feel trusted. So that's mm -hmm. incredibly, incredibly relevant. Rita, turning now to you and building on, on Tracy's response, can you talk please a little bit about how you provide feedback to prospective teachers, both pre-service and in-service settings, if possible, because they, they probably differ a little bit, especially on, on the teacher. Thank you. Let's start from the trust part. So. Here in Wiki Teacher Training School, I get new student teachers into my classroom every six or seven weeks. So basically, I have throughout the year two student teachers teaching my precious second graders. And in every seventh week, I need to create a relationship to these two student teachers. And, and like Tracy just said, the trust part is, is the most important part. And so when my student teachers come here, first they observe one or two weeks and then they start teaching. When I start giving them feedback, the, the first issue where I pay attention is to recognizing them, to recognizing them as personalities, as they are as human beings, so that they are enough as they are there. Their personalities is, are good there and they have the, the basic, I could I say like in, in buildings, their groundings. So they have the groundings of being teacher. And once they have the groundings and they can rely on that, that they are enough as they are for me. So then I start giving these old aunties advices. So I, I call myself always as an old auntie. I'm 48 uh, or turning 48. <laughs> 
and and I have had 24 years of experience and the rest that I'm giving them here in teaching practice are these old aunties advices in terms of helping them so so this is kind of like the 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 starting point in, in my feedback and then when the teaching practice keeps on going or when it starts I'm really like having this notebook that Trace just mentioned it's actually I'm having the same notebook right next to me right now that I was filling out so I fill I fill out my notebook throughout the lesson and then I might draw I use different colors and I give suggestions really like concrete suggestions how a, te- a student teacher could improve something so when the teaching period when it keeps on going then my my mentoring and my advices they they kind of like start to change so first it's like quite simple suggestions how to improve and then when they get more skills so then also my my mentoring and my advices they kind of change and develop as also the the student teacher skills develop so then also my mentoring develops based on what is happening in the classroom at that specific moment so that we are not searching for the best lesson we are not searching for lessons lessons that only succeed somehow because sometimes even though no matter how well you have planned things just go wrong and it's also okay and and that is something that i consider really important that it's okay to go wrong sometimes and i always keep on telling my student teachers that we are here for learning they are assessed when they have applied to the university my job is not to assess them to evaluate them my job is to help them to learn and sometimes if something goes wrong then i'll give my advices and then maybe next day they can do the lesson again and then they can try to do it like different way and then if they succeed then we are clapping our hands and we are happy because teaching practice is about learning it's it's not about doing the the perfect lessons in finland in service training is kind of like courses teachers can join or it's so that a municipality might ask me to come to work as a trainee or a school might ask me to come to trainee and it's more like a trainee session but then i never actually get a chance to get into anyone's classroom so it's like after training sessions how in service training takes place Rita, I'm curious if you could tell us also about your experience leading teacher training sessions and facilitating the one-on-one coaching sessions. How might policymakers help coaches mitigate the challenges that you face on the ground? First of all, as as we know, I know in Finland, student teachers consider this practice as the most important part of their studies. Our student teachers consider that that is the time when they learn the best. However, if I compare how it was when I studied to become a primary school teacher, we actually had double the amount of teaching practice what, for example, the student teachers have in the University of Helsinki. And what what I would like to say to policymakers is to arrange it so that student teachers could have more teaching practice what they actually are having at the moment 
And what is really important that the teaching practice is something that is mentored or guided or supervised by educated teachers who have education or some extra competencies of doing that. So, for example, I am an adjunct professor, but still I'm teaching the second graders. I work here in Viki Teacher Training School. And then I have lots of research competence also when I do this mentoring. So it's not just that mentoring is just something that takes place or anyone could take place, but it is also something that needs to be educated. And my message to policymakers would be that see the importance of, of teaching practice and, and the importance of educated mentors here in teacher training schools. Or, or in teaching practice, because not all countries have teacher training schools, but teachers need to be educated to do mentoring, then it's, it's really efficient. So in Finland, it's, it's quite difficult to become a mentor in, in teacher training school. So you either need to have a background that comes from university level, so, so meaning that you have completed your doctorate, or then you have been publishing like study books. So like in our school, most of the teachers, they have either, either background. So they are like authors or specialists in certain subjects or authors in doing study books, or then they have this research background. Then we have also in our own school, uh, some programs in which we, we mentor, mentor how to be a mentor. So we educate in our school to be, to work as a mentor here in Wikipedia training school. So first of all, you need to have some extra, extra kind of like skills to be, to become a mentor, but then you will also be educated in our school to how to work as a mentor. Thank you, Rita, for, for this feedback. You know, I was hearing you speak and I was thinking that in so many countries in our region. We see that coaches are sometimes school directors and, you know, rarely they have trainings or have received trainings on how to coach. Perhaps in some cases they are already offering feedback to teachers and, and coaching them, but the process doesn't seem to be as well-structured as it is the one that you're laying out. So it's very, very timely to have this podcast focus on this experience in Finland so that it can also inspire us on how to use the existing structures that sometimes are already there in our schooling systems, leveraging on the, on the presence of directors or pedagogical leaders, and then, you know, highlighting the value of this coaching and the training that is needed to be a successful coacher for teachers. So the next question would be back to you, Tracy. And I'm sure the context plays a huge role in the extent to which this intervention is effective. And you've reflected a lot about that as you were doing the technical guidance note, I imagine. What must be in place for a coaching cycle to work well, according to your guidance note, Tracy? And how can low and middle income countries that we deal with in our operations, in, in our engagement, Learn from countries like Finland to improve teacher professional development in their specific context. Thanks so much for the question. I will focus my answer on specific areas policymakers should consider 
within their own context and then, you know, how that may differ from Finland versus low and middle income countries. So I think the first thing that they need to take into account, which you were just touching upon, is the pedagogical leaders, basically having a specific role for a pedagogical leader, making sure that they have the appropriate background and training to provide effective feedback to teachers. You know, one thing that we heard from Rita is that she's been doing this for 24 years. She's an expert in pedagogy and in providing feedback to teachers. But in a lot of systems, the people who are slated with providing feedback to teachers are not experts or they are, but they have so many other tasks on their plate that they're not able to really provide in-depth one-to-one support to, to teachers in a way that would actually help them change their behavior. Second, I think that there is a place for technology to help facilitate or enhance the, the coaching cycle. And we talk about a lot about this in our book, you know, specifically connecting teachers through WhatsApp or using technology for the coach to send reminders to teachers in between coaching sessions, even potentially providing remote support to teachers in settings where coaches can't easily travel to schools. You know, I think the main rule of thumb with technology and, and something that we learn really clearly from the pandemic is that there really is importance of a human element to use of technology. The few programs that we have that have conducted a randomized control trial using technology, the ones that the interventions that are most effective also include some form of in-person training for the teachers and, and contact with the teachers in person as well as technology. And I think this goes back to the point of, you know, in order for this to work, there needs to be a trusting relationship. And that can just be very hard to establish if you're fully doing it remotely. I think that other things that need to take into account are is the existing education landscape and policies. So ideally, the pre-service system should connect to the in-service system and reinforce those skills that teachers learned in pre-service. The coaching should also be aligned to the national and local curricula so that coaches are, are following that and helping teachers instruct based on the curricula. And lastly, I think the most important thing to take into account are the teachers. So taking into account what their time and capacity constraints are, making sure that they also have the time to engage in one-to-one -one support sessions with coaches make sure that they are compensated for any in-service teacher training they participate in outside of school hours. And that this support actually addresses problems that they're facing in the classroom and areas that they either have shown they need support with through observations or are asking for support with to make sure that those needs are, are relevant. In terms of adapting or thinking about this model within the context of low and middle income countries, so when you're thinking about using or adapting the finished model for, for other contexts or for use in low and middle income countries, I think that it's really important to take into account the population of Finland, which is quite small, and also that it's a fairly homogenous country compared to other countries that we work in. And so with those two things in mind, I think that a lot of countries are what what would help them is to look at the specific reforms that Finland took in the 1960s and 70s, because at that time they undertook a number of reforms to get them to where they are today. And, you know, this has been a process of 40, 50 years of 
systematic reforms to teacher training and to really transforming the profession into one that is one of the most well-paid and autonomous professions you can get in Finland. That's not something that happens overnight. So I think that, you know, how we think about it is a continuum of support. So in systems where teachers and pedagogical leaders have a lower capacity, we'd recommend starting with more support in terms of the scripting that's provided to teachers and coaches as they teach. But ideally, systems want to move toward models that are much more autonomous, where teachers, you know, have the lesson plans, the scripted lessons to reference if they want to use that resource. But at the end of the day, they have the autonomy to to pick and choose what they what they want to teach based on their deep pedagogical knowledge and expertise. And in the same way, coaches are providing feedback, not based on on a script in that sense, but based on their own deep knowledge and, and experience with teaching. So I think that in lower capacity systems, the scripting is definitely important as a stepping stone to getting to a system that is more autonomous. And so that's kind of what I would recommend a, a country take into account when they're thinking about what system is right for them and, and when they're thinking about kind of enacting some of these reforms. Thank you so much, Tracy, for reminding us of, of the importance of the continuity of these reforms and also for having the strategic vision on, on teacher professional development, which is so important and having that, that context. And also, you know, your reflections and thoughts on, on what to recommend for our client countries, depending on, on the context. I was curious, Reta, if you could, if you could give us also a little bit of feedback on what you've heard from Tracy and what she highlighted as being, you know, the most important principles from an effective intervention. Yes, when I was listening to Tracy's comments, I definitely agree with her that this Finnish model is something that cannot be transferred to other contexts as, as it is. And Tracy was talking about autonomous teachers, and that is something we are really proud in Finland, that Finnish teachers are probably the most autonomous teachers in the whole world. And this can be seen also in our teaching practice. So basically, when I mentor our student teachers, my role is to give them some ideas. So we are having discussions also about what happened on the lesson, but also what is happening next and what, what kind of ideas they have. Then me, as an old auntie, then I'll give them my ideas, my suggestions, but they can freely choose what is the direction where they want to lead their teaching. And I'm not controlling their, their lesson plans. They need to do their lesson plans for, for in, when they're doing their teaching practice, but I don't control those lesson plans. I help them. I always say that I'm working for you and I'm not evaluating you. So, for example, in Finland, we don't give any grades from teaching practice. So, but we, we focus on teaching autonomous teachers who can reflect their lessons to their own decisions and they can decide where, how to lead this classroom into what direction to take this. Fantastic. And can I just ask a final question, Rita? Tracy raised the issue of technology and how important technology can potentially be. Would you have any observations? Could you, could you tell us a little bit more on how 
digital skills, digitization plays or maybe not a role on what you do in children in your school? Oh, good question. Digital technology, it is here and it has to be used, but digital technology can never replace a human being. The teacher-student relationship is the most important thing in this in, in pedagogy. Yeah, and, and also mentor-student relationship is something that has to be done in face-to-face. We can use technology sometimes and we can, technology is, is a tool to help learning. It's a tool to, to help kids to express their learning with imaginary ways like doing, doing films or something, but it can never replace a human being. It can never replace a teacher, can nev- never replace face-to-face teaching or face-to-face mentoring. Fantastic. Thank you, Reta, for reminding us of that. Well, thank you so much, Reta, for joining us today and, and for taking time to share your knowledge and your expertise. I'm sure this is going to be listened by several teams and you will receive some questions. So thank you in advance for your availability. And Tracy, thank you so much for sharing also the highlights of the guidance note that I think it's really, really hands-on and and very important for us to start thinking of developing and implementing these coaching programs. Perhaps just to close with, you know, stressing again how important teachers are in what we do here at the World Bank and in the education global practice and the importance of having teachers as an attractive profession like Finland and the importance of really for us as a practice to move beyond qualifications and beyond the degrees and really focus on what's happening in the classroom and in how the classroom practice can be improved through these coaching components and coaching programs. That's, that's very important. To me, this session was very insightful. It really reminds me how at the World Bank Group, we are really emphasizing the importance of promoting autonomous teaching profession and really moving away from approaches that can be harsher on teachers. Well, at the contrary, we want to promote teachers who are fully empowered, fully autonomous, who are confident and also very important, like Reta highlighted today, that are able to establish trusted relationships with coaches, with children, and are very open to feedback as a way of changing their behaviors and improving over time while keeping up that autonomy. And I think, you know, all the effort that we have been doing through our coach program at the Anchor has been absolutely fundamental also to support our teams, our TTLs, on how to improve these pedagogical skills and increasing this climate that hopefully is going to be more conducive to learning and also be much more based on positive behaviors than it was before. We hope this will facilitate learning for students. We hope it's going to stimulate their critical thinking and analysis and also encouraging social and emotional skills. So with this, I'll end our podcast today. And thank you again for joining us, Tracy and Reta. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.